Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros, simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. There were... I mentioned yesterday when I was kind of doing a statistical look at TCU versus Georgia. And I was kind of trying to play around with the idea, can TCU actually win the game? And then I, when I looked at the stats, I'm like, Boy, it's, just, it's not as close. It don't look good. Uh, and I was talking yesterday about some, uh, some of the key stats I typically look at. I just like, I don't know. It, it don't look good for TCU. And it wasn't. Now, I was somewhat encouraged early, even though they couldn't stop them at all. Looked like the Saints defense from 2015. Um, that, you know, they were getting five and six and seven yards of carry pretty consistently early. But um, obviously, they are a big play passing team. And they got the one big play, but it wasn't much else. It wasn't much else, and you can't stop them. Now, this guy, this tight end from Georgia, like, I, is he going to be like a mega? It looks like he's going to be a mega star. Catches the ball with his hands. Uh, Wes needs to learn to catch the ball with his hands. Um, but no, obviously it's a blowout and a lot, you know, all the sports SEC elitist, um, fans are going to be just pounding on TCU and I get it. They're going to be pounding on the big 12 and I get it. I'm, you know, I'm no big 12 guy. I've years ago on the air, we used to, we, we, we would talk a lot about, Big 12 quarterbacks and how I didn't buy any of them. Um, and especially the elite ones. Um, you know, the the one, well, I should say, the, the ones that were part of, you know, the Oklahomas of the world. For and, and we used to talk a lot about it on the air. And, like, at the time when we first saw, like, Sage Rosenfels was the most successful Big 12 quarterback ever. Sage Rosenfels. Uh, and obviously now it's Mahomes. And, and But even then, you know, Mahomes wasn't this highly successful Big 12 quarterback. Just turns out he's this unique, special talent on a middle-of-the-road Big 12 team. That lost a lot of games and threw a lot of awful passes and and didn't always look very good. It wasn't even that highly rated because it's a team game. And if you don't if you don't have all the best players around you, you can look like Mahomes looked in college, which was 
at times really good and at times really bad. Um, but uh, but no, I'm I'm no Big Twelve guy, but it's because uh, I you know they were playing. I I don't like I don't like all that offensive what I call artificial offense. Um, I like you to earn points and yards and not just be looks, you know, not hive knife, hot knife through butter stuff. But, you know, if you are not a fan of, uh, you know, Alabama or Georgia or whatever SEC power is playing for the national championship, LSU a couple times, you know, whatever. If you're not a fan of those teams individually, then, you know, it, like I talked about yesterday, a lot of us would like to see something new. A lot of us would like to see an underdog. At least TCU provided something a little different. And they won a game. It wasn't like they it wasn't like they got to the final four. Like happens a lot of time in basketball. You get a Cinderella team, you got to the final four, and you get your clock clean in the semifinals. That didn't happen. They won. They won the semifinals. Now, obviously, they are not as good as Georgia. And, uh, and uh, obviously, um, you say, well, they shouldn't have even been there. Well, a lot of people didn't even think Ohio State should be there. A lot of people didn't think Ohio State should be there. And Georgia was lucky to beat Ohio State. They got outplayed by Ohio State. And again, once the ball got past the line of scrimmage and when Georgia didn't block that field goal, that was just luck. Georgia was just lucky to be in the finals. Now, had they blocked the field goal, I wouldn't say it was luck. But once the ball gets past the line of scrimmage, they didn't block it. They had nothing to do with whether they won that game or not. That was luck. They were just lucky that he missed the kick. Uh, and so they, you know, you could say they were lucky to be in the finals even though they were an overwhelming favorite all year on because Ohio State outplayed them. And all the kid had to do was make a kick. And it was a long kick, but it wasn't like 60 yards or something. It was makeable. And uh, if he makes it, then um, they're not even in the finals. So they were lucky to get to the finals, but obviously they were better than TCU. And, uh, you know, I, I, I it's easy. To, again, t- people are going to bash TCU. Do I expect TCU to be close to the Final Four next year? No, I don't. I I think they're – when you come out of the blue like that, it's so hard. That's what – medicine season is not a college – it's a a professional sports thing because in – college is about blowouts because there's so many teams and there's such a vast difference between the resources – of, you know, the Alabamas and Georgias of the world and the resources of, you know, the Purdue's and, you know, TCU's of the world. It, it, it's a big difference. And and then there's an even bigger difference when you go down to the, you know, the Macs and the Sun Belts and all those program, mid-major programs compared to the upper echelon of the SEC or the, or the Big Ten or the Pac-12. You know, the big difference between... You know, you, you looked at it when Tulane beat USC. I saw a graphic where, you know, you look at USC's, the money they put into football, and you look at the money Tulane puts into football, it's not even close. It, it's it's like, um, it's like comparing, you know, 
the, the punks to the pirates. The difference is on a given day, the pirates can beat the punks because, because the game is great. But, but over the course of time, they, you know, that's not going to happen. So, look, I get it. A lot of people are going to pound on them and make fun of them, and, you know, it is what it is. But at least they kind of gave a little bit of a curveball to what other – on the on that elite level of college football, it actually gets kind of boring because it's the same teams all the time. Now, it's not the same teams all the time, and you know, in different individual conference races, you know, like the Sun Belt, you know, Troy was a new team this year, so it's not – not all over college football, but at the at the elite at the top level of college football, the Final Four, it 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 can. If you're not a fan of one of those teams, it's like oh, it's them again. I mean, it's boring. So at least TCU was a little different, but uh, but yeah, it did not make for a competitive final. But again, that's not unusual. Like this was going to be. Um, almost every year, two or three, or if not all three, at least two of the three games in the Final Four are blowouts. That's not unusual. Really, it's not. At least we had two good games. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, it's just like trying to say uh, uh, LSU against Southern, the game looked like last night. Yeah, it was it was compare, it was not pretty. Trying to compare uh, a thoroughbred to a quarter horse. No, I mean it, they were just outman and outplayed, and that's that's to show you how good the SEC is. But I, I I try to find out since the BCS, how many years did the SEC win the BCS? I mean since that that full man playoff, probably ninety percent of the time. Something like that. You, yeah, yeah. So I mean, higher percentage, a higher percentage than what Will Lutz had on his field goals this year. <laughs> Let's not go there. Let's not go there. Hey, but no, I I, I turned it off at halftime when I started watching me a movie. Man, it was uh, it was it was sad, bro, to say that. You know, I to me, go back if you look at it, the national championship game was Ohio State and Georgia. Like you said, Ohio State had them beat and they let it get away. Yeah, they, they really, you know, obviously Ohio State was not the best team from day one to the end, but they, they, they outplayed Georgia that day, and, and the they kid just they missed the kick. Georgia, I mean, right. they just missed the kick. Right, 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 right. So, Foot, I, I read yesterday about your receiver, Thomas. Do y'all, re, y'all reconstruct their contract or something? Yeah, I mean, I'm. A, we're all assuming that means they're gonna part ways, and it won't just absolutely kill. It. They figured out a way where it wouldn't absolutely kill the Saints, you know, salary cap right. wise and dead money wise. Right. So, can y'all get? Can what y'all? Can y'all get a first round pick for him? Or oh, y'all, I don't believe. No, I I don't believe that. No, I, I mean well, he hadn't I, played you know, in three years. I was years. talking to Kervin Frontnet last night, and I was telling Kervin, Kervin want to get rid of Camaro. And I told Kervin, no, you don't get rid of Camaro. He said, well, you got value in Camaro. I said, no, you get rid of Davenport, Thomas, and have a, another player, another another D lineman or D in that y'all recruited, in the, that y'all drafted in the first round. I don't think he played two games this year. Y'all get rid of them three, y'all can probably get value for him. Well, t- Davenport's done. He's a free agent, and he's terrible. He's been a bust, and I've right. supported him forever, but right. you're not going to get anything for him because you don't have him. But – 
But uh, but no, I, I the, the the problem with with Z twenty eight is if they don't use him, then you know if they use him next year like they did this year, which was oh, horribly. He's done. He's done. Yeah, yeah. Well, the then you might as well trade him because he's a dime. They they treated him like he he was a dime a dozen running back. I mean, all they right, did was right, run him up right. the middle no. for the most part. They'd ever hardly ever got him in space. He he. I, He's not worth the money that they're paying him to to use him that way. Yeah, and I'm thinking they're gonna get rid of your offensive coordinator. I think that's the next move they're gonna do. And then, yeah. Well, if, if genius, if, I mean, if if Casper gets a job, a lot of people think that he's Pete will just go on his staff. Right. Right. Yeah. Now, would you take Garoppolo, the the Forty Nineers quarterback, in your camp? What's his name? The one that Garoppolo. I mean, of? I, I would. Garoppolo. I mean, I would take him over some quarterbacks, not over you know right, others. Right, I right. mean, yeah, I that's wouldn't what, be upset with it. Yeah, that's, that's what Kirby was saying last night. He would love to see him, but his thing is the only player y'all can trade and get value for is Kamara. Y'all can't get rid of Kamara. Really, y'all don't have no running back, and and and, and you know y'all really need to go and shop for a running back. Keep Kamara. Get y'all a good quarterback. Get y'all offensive coordinator, and probably next year y'all can have a promising season. No, I, I I think spot they they gotta they gotta address the defensive the interior of the defensive line, but uh but right. yeah I agree with everything you just said yeah. Right, right. Well, okay then. But uh, we'll, I'll listen in. All right, take care. And of course, the kicker. Got to get a kicker who can kick the ball straight. None of that horizontal kicking junk. It's not that difficult. I dropped Russ off at school today, and coach at the school came, walked up to the car, and said, it's not that difficult. No excuses. No excuses for missing kicks indoors. Oh, man. Will Lutz. I don't know who I'm mad or who I'm going to be madder at long term, Mark Ingram or Will Lutz. Mark Ingram, what Mark Ingram did is even worse though. Guys miss kicks all the time. No one does that. So I mean, it's, they're not. Those two are not even really in the same category, to be fair. But still, still angry at both of them. It's going to be a long off season of just thinking of those two bozos. And please, no crawfish. I mean, it's unbelievable. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back, talk more to you. Any thoughts? I mean, I don't think there's much thoughts to have on the national championship game last night, but did want to uh, address it some. We'll take a timeout. We'll be back. On the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry, we're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The little MVPs. The little MVPs. Now, a Major League Baseball team that struggles to win games despite having multiple MVP winners on its roster. Also known as the Los Angeles Angels. Now back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Want to remind you about the London Graw Barthon on Monday, February the 20th. It's a four-mile race through Freetown, just south of the parade route. Wear a costume and enjoy free drinks throughout the course. A party bus will follow which allows you to run all of the race or run some of it. And when you get tired or bored or whatever, you can jump on the party bus to go back or just spend the whole time on the party bus. Up to you. The audience will vote for the winner of the costume contest. So bring your loudest, craziest friends to increase your chance of winning. It's the Lundy Graw Barthon. Register now at latrail.org. All right. Um... Also last night, the Pelicans got a win, 20-point win over Washington. And you know that the Wizards are – they haven't been good in a long time. But, uh, they, you know, they're 17-24, and 24, so they're not good, but they're not – actually, I didn't know what that record was. But when I looked at it, I'm like, eh, it's a little better than I thought that my I would have probably guessed that they were. But still, really nice, still playing very shorthanded arguably without two of your top three players, and yet McCollum continues to just, I mean, it's unbelievable what he's done, really, since since they acquired him. But um, 34 points and five rebounds, and the big man had 27 points and 12 rebounds, and Najee Marshall had 18 points. I mean, they, they just kind of get points all over the place. The Pels are nine games over 500 in third place, and, um, still kind of positioning, you know, injuries are a big part of all sports. And now you got Duran is going to be out a month, you know, and the Pels aren't feeling sorry for him because they've been without, well, they haven't been without Zion that long, but they'll be a little while longer. And then they've been without Ingram for quite a while. So, um, you know they're they're right in the middle of it with, with, with injuries and it, it's just a matter of you know load management but it's not really it's just managing your roster the good thing about it is they have plenty of depth and uh we'll see again these games it's important it, it's fun to be good if you're a pelicans fan i get that and so you just enjoy the moment you know it what for most of the last, what, three or four years, you just didn't know what the future would hold. And now the future looks really bright. So you just en- just enjoy the wins and the process as much as you can. Eventually, you know, we're, we're into January now. It'll be March and April soon enough. So just, just, just enjoy it. But, no, they've done a good job of, you know, they've had some slip-ups, and that's going to happen, and you're not going to be focused every game. But um, for the most part, they've they've done a good job of their depth coming through and not allowing long losing streaks to kind of get the team down while their better players are out. So we'll see how how that continues. Good job uh, again last night by by the Pelicans. So we haven't talked much baseball because it's basketball season and it's – football season is ending up and we're about to start the playoffs and we just finished the national championship game but in case and I would understand if you kind of lost track of it even if you're a baseball fan but 
Carlos Correa has still not signed. And I, I was like, man, what is going to happen there? Like, he still has not signed. And part of me is like, why do they? Why did they do this? If they don't, and why did they make it sound official before they actually sign? Like, there's the wooing and the courting process, like during the hot stove league, which technically we're still in, I guess. But then when they, you know, we all thought he signed with the Giants, but he didn't really. Like, they uh, quote-unquote agreed, I don't know, they didn't even agree to terms because they didn't agree to terms. I mean, they they threw, they had some sort of working framework of terms, but they didn't really even agree to terms, even though that's kind of what they say. You agree to terms when you settle on it and then you sign. But they didn't. And so everyone thought, well, the Mets are going to sign him, and maybe they will. But they still have it. And, and the more time goes on, you wonder, like, are the Mets just going to get, I guess, just tired of dealing with Boris, his agent, and just say, look, we wanted you here, but, man, this cat. They're supposedly negotiations going on or talks going on on the side where the twins are trying to get back into it, if you believe the rumors. You never really know what's going on because they only release what they want you to know. But it's just getting bizarre. And all of this supposedly because of an injury he got, you know, when it, however long ago that was, when he was a rookie with the Astros. Not even, no, not even a, his first year in pro ball, he was playing like it was the year that, he, that they drafted him, his first minor league season. Not a rookie in the major leagues. He was like his first season in the minor leagues, he got this injury. I think it was broke his leg or something, sliding into second base maybe. And... You know, has he had injury issues since then? Yeah, but I don't I don't know that it has to do with that. I mean, I don't I'm not a big and the Astros aren't either. A big gonna sign a guy to 11, 12, 13 year contract. Because we've already seen why you don't do that. Look at the issues the the uh Padres have had with Tatis. You sign that guy to whatever, a 14 year contract. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Now, you do it because you don't, you're trying to spread out the money and you're hoping you get probably 60 to 70% of that. And then you, you figure in the last two or three years, he, you know, we may not get anything out of him, but at least we've spread the money out. It's like the, it's like the whole Bobby Bonilla thing. Yeah, he's getting that million every year, but they just kind of spread it out over it. And so it doesn't mess with their luxury tax situation. So you get why they're doing it. And I wonder if by the next collective bargaining agreement, if they're gonna if team or if, if they're gonna start like, well, they need to stop doing that. Like like try to it's like a 
I mean, the 49ers probably came up with it because any kind of way to try to cheat a salary cap, I mean, they're the ones that come up with all this stuff. So I'm sure, it, you know, somehow it's the 49ers, the cheaters that, that, that came up with this way of doing it or this concept, and everyone just kind of followed suit. But um, I wonder if they're going to put a stop to that. But, but again, here's the downside of it. Carlos Correa, you have this injury history. You wanna, you wanna, you wanna, you're willing to put money, but you wanna spread it out luxury tax wise. Although I don't know why the Mets are worried about the luxury tax; they just blow it out the water. But you still don't want a guy that you're paying if you're only gonna get four or five years out of him. So I don't, I don't know. It's just bizarre that it's still like make a decision and move on. You, ha- you had to know he had this issue. Like, what I don't get is why don't they do all this medical stuff before they announce it? Like, why is all this, the medical evaluation not done before they make it public? This doesn't seem like it's good for either side. I guess it gets your fans excited, but then you get them all bummed out. Like, the Giants fans were probably excited to get Correa, and then then they didn't have him anymore. I don't know, just bizarre the way all that is played out. And I was just, it, it hit me again this morning. He still has not signed. Like, what are they going to do? Just really bizarre. Now, look, it's not unusual that a free agent is, you know, there are other free agents that still are not signed. And so some guys sign late. It's just that he's supposedly settled on two teams now. And one of them fell through, and the other one is starting to look more and more like it might fall through. And, of course, if you're a Braves fan or a Phillies fan or just don't like the Mets, you're a Yankee fan that just hates the Mets for what, you know, because it's a New York thing, then you're hoping probably it does fall through. Because his leadership and rounding out their lineup a little bit They're going to be really good. Of course, on paper, the Phillies are going to be really good. And on paper, the Braves look really good. That might finally be one ESPN division that lives up to the hype. Especially if Correa ends up staying with the Mets. Finally, an ESPN division that might live up to the hype. Because normally the ESPN divisions get more hype than they're actually worth which is part of the reason why I call them the ESPN division and typically root against them. But, uh, no, it's just just an interesting little update on uh, we haven't talked much of it in, in since before Christmas, but, man, really bizarre. Still waiting to see what's going to happen with, with, with Carlos Correa. All right, well, let's do this. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll shift gears back to basketball, Sunbelt Conference basketball. Talk to Cajun Ben's basketball coach, Bob Marlin, next after this timeout on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Kevin Foote is a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history. No. 
seriously. After that is 2013, which I call the forgotten Saints season because in so many people's mind, the Saints streak of good football ended with the Bounty Gate season. And it's not just recent history either. In 88, they finished 10-6, and six, tied for first place in the division, did not make the playoff because they got cheated by a blind official named Fred Silver who absolutely cheated, uh, stole a game on Sunday night in a 13-12 loss to the Giants with his either blindness, ineptness, or cheating, or whatever you want to call it. I think he was just blind and senile. We return to the man who's forgotten more Saints history than you will ever know. Kevin Foote and footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Come back. Two footnotes. Want to remind you before we get to our special guest uh, to join the game clubhouse. You could win a hundred fifty dollar gift certificate to Mister Lesser Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort, or a twenty five dollar gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, or perhaps a um, little more locally, a forty dollar gift card to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard, or a fifty dollar gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio at Abbeville. Let me just give y'all a hint, folks. Most people in Abbeville that cook are really good at it. So that would be an outstanding gift. But you can't win any of those great prizes unless you join the game clubhouse. So do so today. By going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So sign up today. All right. We have with us UL men's basketball coach Bob Marlin, who's Raging Cajuns, won two in a row over the weekend. Two very nice defensive performances and got back to, to 500. How are you, sir? Doing great, Kevin. How are you? Oh, hanging in there, still trying to get over the football season, but that's okay. It'll happen eventually. So um, kind of the message uh, that I got out of yesterday, and, and, it, and it's true, through four games in conference play, everyone's lost at least one and won at least one, which means there's a, a fair amount of balance and a, and a pretty good idea that just about anybody could lose any given game in, in this conference this year. Yeah, there's no doubt, Kevin, that uh, the way that the schedule falls makes it even more difficult because of split weekends and the travel. We don't have true travel partners this season. And playing Thursday, Saturday versus Wednesday, Saturday is a travel issue at times. Uh, but there's great balance in the league, good parity. You've got three teams that are tied for first. They're all picked in the, in the back end of the league in Georgia Southern, Monroe, and Southern Mississippi. So it's going to be a, a great conference season and should be a great uh, conference tournament. So – I know you played Old Dominion, so you you, you got a taste of them. Um, ha, have you had a chance to get? I mean, you had obviously you you knew a little bit about them, Marshall already. But James Madison and Marshall, do you have a gauge on on those other new kind of new teams? And you played Southern Miss, so you know about them as well. So do you have a pretty good gauge on Marshall and James Madison and how they kind of fit into the league? Yeah, we do, Kevin. We played Marshall last year up there as part of the Indiana tournament, and they beat us. We were up five at halftime, and they beat us by about 15. So they've got a good team. Most of their guys are back. They're a very good offensive team, and and they're they're good. Uh, Tavion Kinsey was player of the year in Conference USA. He's up for player of the year in our league, along with Jordan Brown. So 
Marshall's got a really good club. And then we've played James Madison before, too. We went there a few years ago. They're in a new arena now. And Mark Byington, the coach, was at Georgia Southern. So he's a friend, and we, we've got uh, familiarity with him and the way he likes to play. Uh, I will say this, Kevin, at Christmas, the, the four best records in the league were three newcomers and, and us, James Madison, Marshall, Old Dominion, and us. So uh, the new, new people are making noise right away. All right, so I, I thought that um... – Y'all have done a good job. You know, a lot of people, probably more outside, maybe some on the inside, were thinking, well, if Jordan doesn't score a bunch of points, and they might have trouble winning. But, it, and you know, you've shown that Jordan doesn't have to score a lot of points or have a real dynamic offensive game for y'all to win. And uh, it seemed like that's kind of the thing we've learned early in this conference season. Yeah, we've got a balanced group, Kevin. We feel like we've got eight guys that can be starters, uh, and we've got eight or nine guys or maybe ten that can score the basketball. You know, we've added Colby back to the mix. And if people take away Jordan, uh, we make shots like we did this weekend at home, then we'll, we'll be in good shape. But uh, even our freshmen with, with Kyron Ratliff, uh, Vince Sagona, and Chancellor White, all three of those kids can score the ball. They just need to get physically stronger. So we've got guys can put it in the basket. So one of the things that happened the other night, and it seems like it's going to be crucial from here on out, is when teams do put a lot of pressure on Jordan, that you know his passing skills are important. I think he had four assists the other night, and, and um, you know, in other words, kind of utilize and take advantage of the pressure that they put on Jordan. Yeah, and he's done a good job. Uh, we we like to play inside out, and when we throw it to him, he's been double and triple teamed all night. That started from the conference tournament last year, the success he had against Texas State in the quarterfinals. Uh, really got everybody's attention, and so that's been the focal part of the opponent's game plan. But uh, we he's done a good job passing out of the double team and conference play in the four games. He's got nine assists, Kevin, and – 10 turnovers. He had five turnovers at Old Dominion. So, and a couple of those were travels. Uh, so he's doing better, but we do like to play through the post. I mean, why wouldn't you? You got the best post player in the league. All right. The other thing that has come a little slower and I, and I think probably needs to come slow is, is kind of fitting Kobe Julian in. Uh, is, is, do you feel comfortable with where that process is right now? I mean, some nights you played him more minutes. The other night didn't play as much. Uh, maybe maybe defense has something to do with it or kind of uh, tell explain or tell us about that process of kind of integrating him back into the rotation. Well, we incorporated him back at conference play at Coastal, and, and uh, he was quick to shoot the ball. He's settling for a three-point shot, and, and I don't like that. I told him, and – he made a couple of big baskets for us, made a big two <clears throat> late in the game. Excuse me. But he has uh, worked his way back into the lineup, and we went to Old Dominion, and same thing as Coastal. I think he was just too anxious, Kevin. And then, of course, being at home the first game, that was anxious for him as well. Uh, the matchups weren't great against Southern Mississippi. And then on Saturday, the Georgia State game was big because that's the team that he got hurt against. So, 
That was the last game he played was Georgia State. So he's had a lot on his mind, but he's going to filter back in. And uh, we got to get Mike Thomas back, too. He's been out for – he played six minutes in conference, and he was playing 20 minutes a game. So it gives us another ball handler. Uh, but we'll have to incorporate both those guys into the lineup more in the future. All right. So how worried – because when you start talking about the kind of injury that um, Mike had and being in protocol like that, so like how worried are that that he you're going to have to kind of you know he won't be able to come in and pick up where he left off, or do you think he will be able to come in and kind of pick up where he left off? Well, we we hope so. He's shooting forty percent from three. He's doing a he's done a really good job for us. Uh, good free throw shooters. He's got great speed with the ball, and he shares the ball. And, and uh, you know, he's a great teammate. So uh, he's going to have to work his way back in slowly, and uh, we'll, we'll just have to to see. But I expect him to come back and make shots and help our team. It seems like. Y'all withstood it pretty well. Like Themis is playing a lot of minutes, uh, and 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 he's he's really stepped up. But rotation wise, and just it seems like it hasn't been a major problem. No, it it, it hasn't been so far. You know, Themis has had to play heavy minutes, as you said, uh, more than we would like. But he's a gamer and and wants to be out there, and, and uh, he's played played better. So. Cantrell played a little bit at the point and in a couple of games, but uh, you know we need Themis out there to to run the show or Mike. Now, Themis, in terms of obviously, you know, he's had every player is going to have games where they shoot it well and then they don't shoot it well. But I'm talking about behind the scenes. When we interview him, he is so impressive and just his presence, and he just seems to have a. Um, just something really about him. Has he taken over as kind of the leader of this team, or how is he kind of as a leader on this team? He's in a leadership position as the, as the point guard, but he seems to have that dynamic personality to go with that. I think after coming in this year, being new, it took a few games in non-conference for him to feel more comfortable, and he's gotten more comfortable as we started conference season even and. He's morphed into a leader, uh, taking control and some things on the court for sure. Um, you know, Jordan Brown leads us, Greg Williams leads us, and Jalen Dalcourt. So we got a lot of people. But Themis, from his position, has definitely uh, stepped up his game and, and trying to help our team win. This is a critical stretch coming up because we've talked, you know, about it going in. You know, six of your first eight was going to be. Uh, on the road, and you were going to be on the road for most of about a month period of time, and you're in the middle of that. You got these four games, and I know you lost the first two, but if you can go two and two or or, or, or three and one, obviously you want to win every game, but if you can go three and one or even two and two, withstand this, it seemed like you, you can really make some hay here down, you know, the rest of the way. Got a chance. I mean, we just have to play well, Kevin. We didn't play great uh, at points of the coastal game and then we didn't same with ODU and then we come home and I thought we played solid basketball and we made shots and we got to the free throw line we only got 22 attempts in the two games on the road and our opponents got 46 so it's hard to win even having less turnovers playing pretty good defense 
and scoring the ball. It's hard to win when when that happens. What is the key tomorrow? Um, uh, not tomorrow, Thursday. Y'all are going to make the trek to to Monroe, and and it always seems like that game is close. So if anybody's thinking this is going to be like some blowout, you know, probably being a little foolish there. But it always seems really competitive. So what are you? What's the key in that matchup against them for y'all? They've gotten off to a great start. They struggled in non-conference and played a difficult schedule, but they got into conference play. They won two road games to start at Texas State and Arkansas State, and then they beat Georgia State at home, lose to Southern Miss 65-60 on Saturday. But uh, Keith Richard does a great job there. He's really good at, at mucking up a game, and he can really screw a game up and get the score down, and uh, they'd love for this game to be in the 50s. Their guards are their two leading scorers. A uh, kid named James Blackman that transferred from North Alabama, scored 1,000 points there. And then uh, Tyreek LaCour, who was at South Alabama, transferred to UAB and transferred to Monroe. So he's got experience in the league. And we've got to control those two guards. They're, they only play seven guys, Kevin. They don't have a deep team at all. They've had some injuries. Uh, so they only play a... Uh, group of guys and and most of the most of those guys play 30 36 to 38 minutes a game how about the rebound is, is that going to be a game where rebounding is very important yeah it's i mean it's always important to me as you know i mean rebounding defense or what what drive your team they help you win championships but um it, it'll be tough they've got a young man named thomas howell that uh is Developed into an all-conference player, uh, and he's had a couple double-doubles this year, and he always plays well against us. All right, Coach. Well, congratulations on getting back on track, and now, you know, by next week, you could really be, um, you know, more than just, you know, you, you could be in the top four of the league if you can get a road sweep, so hopefully things will reverse there and uh, continue to be looking up. Congratulations. Good luck to you. Thanks, Kevin. All right. UL men's basketball coach Bob Marlin. You know, look, they, they, we all know the Cajuns should have beat Coastal. I mean, they they outplayed them. They should have won the game. The Coastal shot 24 free throws. Cajuns shot 12. ODU, they could have, should have, would have won, but they got outplayed by ODU. That, that, that was a loss. That's going to happen, especially on the road. But you're coming home now playing. I mean, you're coming back to the region now. And you're playing Monroe and South Al, and then you're playing Texas State and Arkansas State schools that you're all programs and road trips that you're a lot more familiar with. I, I don't think going three and one's out of the question. And if they can do that, the Cajuns suddenly will be looking pretty after that 0 2 start, which uh, it could be a really good recovery. We'll see how it how it plays out. Like you keep saying, got to play well, though. Got to play well. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out the first hour on the game. Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers, World Series champion Houston Astros. No, look, if you look at the standings, there are four teams that are three and one. One of them is Monroe. The Cajuns play them on Thursday. One of them is Southern Miss. The Cajuns have already beaten. And, you know, a lot of people thought Troy would finish 
uh, pretty high. And Georgia Southern, again, like Coach said, was a little not, not really picked as high. So uh, I think a lot of people thought Marshall or James Madison was the teams to beat. They're both two and two. Is that just kind of early season stuff and they're going to separate themselves later? Perhaps. We'll see. You know, I, 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 um, I mean, normally over the course of a season, the better teams kind of rise to the top, depending on injuries and, and that kind of stuff. But, uh, but no, I really, I know the Cajuns were start, start out 0 2, and there were people, a lot of people were very disappointed. But if they can win at least two, but really three, if they can go three and one in these next four road games with a bunch of home games on the other side there, even if they go two and two in these two road games with all these home games on the other side of that four game stretch, I think they can be in good shape. Um, now, will they play well that one weekend in March? Who knows? But we'll, we'll worry about that later. For now, I think they, they're in pretty good position still. We'll take a timeout. Another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And you're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros, simulcast on Stadium 32.3133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. If you would like to get in, we just got finished talking about Cajun basketball with Coach Bob Marlin. Uh, the Cajuns will be on the road for the next two weeks. Again, playing teams that you know, they've been familiar with and been playing for a long time. South Alabama, Monroe, Texas State, Arkansas State on paper. Um, they're going to probably be favored or close to favored. And if they won't, it'll just be because they're on the road with all four. Those are all games that you, you're you not going to say, well, the other team's just better than you. That, that That's not going to happen. So... To Coach Marlin's point, if they shoot about the same amount of free throws, Caden should have an excellent chance to win all those games. And it, it, it again, if if this road trip goes better than the last one, if they finish five hundred, they win two or three of these games. I'm gonna I'm gonna like this the the Caden's chances of finishing in the top three of the league now. Does that mean you're going to win the conference tournament? We all know it's all about the conference tournament. But you're still trying to to put yourself, win as many games as possible and put yourself in the best position as possible. And they they kind of have that, that opportunity. But again, you got, got to make shots, got to rebound, got to play with really good defensive effort cuz like you said when you play Monroe it's going to be it's going to be an ugly game and you can lose no doubt about it we've seen it over and over and over and over again in this matchup so it's not going to be easy but they've got a good chance to win all these games and you know we'll see how how, how they play on the road never really like playing South Alabama every year it seems like South Alabama's got all this talent and then it never seems to materialize 
injury this year. They're not shooting the ball well. So we'll see how that plays out as well. Also, obviously, we mentioned a little bit of baseball earlier. If you want to talk about that, the college, the national championship game or college football in general. And we'll be talking about the NFL shortly on as we begin the postseason and lots of for some teams and other teams, they're beginning the offseason uh, with some big news. So we'll talk about some of that as well. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning, Fred. How you doing, buddy? Good morning, sir. You know, Kevin, I want to talk about some uh, I'm going to get to. But first of all, for that college game last night, the, the thing that stuck out to me at the beginning of that game, how Georgia was uh, – their coaching staff was out-coaching TCU. It wasn't just about the players at the beginning of the game. You could see they were out-scheming them. They were just well – it was out-coached at the beginning. Don't you agree? Oh, no question. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Absolutely. Now, Kevin, when are you going to get old Bobby Nouveau or uh, Jerry Gosco on, man? I'm getting ready for some football. You remember, I made that prediction last year, and I got three more years, three more years left of my prediction out there, and I feel good about this team coming up, buddy. <laughs> well, I like the team. Uh, you know, I did a column for the paper last or over the weekend about kind of kind of getting the ball rolling, and we'll be getting Bobby on. I I don't, you know, uh, we normally only only have him once on before the season starts, so we'll. Probably have them on in about two or three weeks and uh, kind of preview once they see some of the scrimmages and how things are going. I'm not as big of a scrimmage guy as Coach Glasgow is. They love that stuff. And so we'll see how it, it plays out. But he's got a lot of big decisions to make. Really, I mean, a lot of big decisions to make. Yeah, because I like that, that, that Davis girl, the Macalia Davis, I don't know how you pronounce the first name. She's going to get in the lineup. That girl is going to be special. I ain't no doubt about that. I mean, you know, with her speed and everything she got, you know, it, she's definitely going to make her way into the lineup. But, man, they didn't lose. How many players they lost off that team last year? Three or two? Oh, I don't remember the exact number. But, but I mean, they've got a lot back, and it's not many. And, and you're right. I think Davis – I think as of now, Davis is going to start in center. And and it's not that she's, you know, any better than, than Hayden. It's that – uh, Hayden, I think, could, could be an option in the infield. And so we'll see how that plays out, and that's something they've got to determine over the next two, you know, three weeks or so. You know, I, I really do believe the, uh, the factor in this team is going to be the pitching because I, I have a feel uh, Landry, Landry had the best pitching stuff on that team out of the pitching staff. It's that she didn't know how to put away these older hitters. You know, all these softball teams, especially in the women's sports, you had a lot of old team, a lot of older players. I mean, Oklahoma had some girls on that team. They were women. They were like 24, 25 uh, year, uh, years old playing with all that COVID uh, stuff that was going on yeah. with extended years. And, you know, now I think with this team being so young, they were, they're going to start catching up playing kids their age. And I think that's going to be the difference we're going to see more than anything. No, I definitely think it will. Now, is your coach leaving? What's that? Is your coach leaving, getting to the NFL here? Is your coach leaving? I don't know, Kevin. Uh, look, look, buddy, look. Hey, I got what I got last year. You want to talk about a hammock? I'm going to have a hammock a decade maybe. But you know what? I got the championship because, God, look, what they did, they stole their soul. And I think McVay's going to run. Because let me tell you, the Rams are going to be bad for a minute. I really believe that. And uh, nothing that we can do about it. But, hey, they got that championship, but they ain't nothing on the rise. And I think I think McVay's going to accept the run. 
That is, I mean, that is so cheesy. I just, I mean, and Casper did something similar. I don't know. I just, I think. I just, I, I just feel that's what's going to happen, Kevin. But anyway, buddy, you have a good day. Huh? All right. Thank you. No, um, I think FedEx man is probably right. I mean, a lot of people, they, you know, they were talking about that, about it a year ago. You heard a few rumors and then it didn't happen. And now you're hearing it again. McVeigh, don't just don't like that guy. Uh, just not a big fan. Not a big fan of having success and being a big mouth and downgrading other people, uh, laughing at other coaches and situations. And then you get very fortunate. You know, they were very fortunate to be in the Super Bowl the first time. Shouldn't have been, really. Um. And then the second time, they were very fortunate to get in there, and it worked out for him, and they won, and then now he's going to leave. <laughs> I don't know. That just seems – it's kind of cheap shottish to me. I, I just – not a fan of that guy at all. Plus, you know, he's got 49 I love her roots, so I don't like that either. But anyway, um, I um, – so what's going to happen – with them um, and also the Arizona Cardinals. I, I just, I, I don't know how long ago it was. Sometimes last year, you know, last offseason, I remember coming and it just, I had the thought, and I've mentioned it a few times, that <clears throat> my prediction for Casper to quitter was the Arizona Cardinals. And then as the year went on, I'm like, man, I just – is he really going to trust Bidwell? Is he really going to, like, and then the whole Kyler Murray thing. Now, yesterday it became official after the show, sometime yesterday afternoon or shortly after the show, that, that Cliff Klingsbury was fired and their GM, who had been on some sort of medical leave, is out. So... Does that increase the likelihood that Casper would go there? In other words, not necessarily saying he would call the shots. Not really saying that. He would call the shots on who the new GM would be. But maybe they could get his opinion. Or maybe if just whoever that turns out to be, if he likes or trusts that person or has a relationship uh, the first rumor is that they're looking at the cheaters to get a GM from their front office, which, you know, I would think they have pretty good, they've done a pretty good job of building that that outfit. So I, I would think that wouldn't be bad. But um, I still, I would love if, if Casper went to the Broncos. But I just, I don't know. Is he going to trust him? Is he going to trust new ownership? They're not, and they're new to the ownership thing, so there's no track record there. There's no way of knowing how good an ownership group that's going to be. And then they're, you know, the GM is still relatively new. I mean, he's not new to the NFL, but he's still relatively new as a GM, so there's no reason to say that, you know, because every time you – Casper speaks about this. He he talks about 
not so much quarterback like most of us were, were, were talking early on, but that he could really trust the 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 front office, the 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 brain trust, the owners and the GMs, and does he like what they're doing? I, I just so I don't know. the The Cardinals situation is very interesting. The you know what's going to happen with the Rams, man, and that's a flash dash job. But you're right they they kind of sold their soul and and they went all out in for a Super Bowl and. They got one. And so they got a trophy, but now I think they're going to have a tough time sustaining that. And uh, that's that's kind of what FedEx man was referring to. So that's an interesting situation. And then, um, you know, we're already, they're already starting on the draft. The Bears got the number one pick. The Bears have a young quarterback that they just recently drafted. And most people think Bryce Young should be the number one overall pick. So do you trade it? It almost hardly ever seems to happen. We talk about it every year. But you already have a young quarterback. Unless you just don't like him. But it just seems like you've wasted this year if you go with another quarterback. So I kind of think. If I'm them, you you really need to trade out of this unless you're just down on Justin Fields for whatever reason. You know, obviously he can run, but can he throw? So that's going to be, you know, we're just starting this process with the draft and all that kind of stuff. But very interesting to see how that's going to play out. The Texans, I just, I just don't see. I heard someone mention that yesterday. I, I would think that as crazy as the Texans front office situation seems, that that Casper would run. That there's no way he would go to the Texans. So I, that would be shocking to me. And so I, I, I wouldn't think that was going to happen. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Howdy. Hey. I heard you last week talking to Luke, and Luke was saying that the best outcome would be a, a first-round pick for Sean Payton. Now, to me, wouldn't that be, like, the the least? Like, that's the bottom asking price for Sean Payton. I, I'm expecting more, don't you think, in return? Uh, I don't know about that, no. I mean, like— You don't think so? I mean, like, let's say they get— Two second-round picks, that wouldn't shock me. I'd rather two second-round picks than one first-round pick. Yeah. But I don't know, man. In my my opinion, it should be more than that. I don't don't think they're – I don't – you know, in the past, they've gotten some big hauls, but I I don't know. I'm not really thinking that's about to happen. No. Look, it would be tremendous, but no. Am I expecting more? No, I'm not. To answer your question, I'm not expecting more. No. Okay, I know it's not like – the, the Oakland thing was kind of like, you know, that's Oakland. But, yeah. and like to me, the best thing for us is for the Cardinals, for him to go to the Cardinals. Don't you think? Well, if you're going to get their I mean, first round pick, pick, yeah. But, you know. Yes, oh. if you're going to get their first round pick, yeah. It, 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 I don't know. It, it just, I could see us getting more for him, especially if there's like a little bidding war or, you know. And don't you think that we have more control over where where he goes than than people think? 
Mm, I just don't know. I mean, I I don't ever remember. To, you know, the Saints have never been in this situation. Is you don't this situation doesn't arise at all. Yeah, we all. never had I, a quitter. I don't, I don't know. Well, I, I, I mean, don't. we had Jim Moore. Jim Moore quit, but yeah, but I supported that one. That was at a point where. You know, everybody was miserable. It was a bad situation. It was time for him to move on, and it was just a matter of time. That was not the situation here. Yeah. I'm just ready for him to go. And, like, I know I can't wait for him to to, to go to find a team, but I know he's just going to grab coaches, and he's probably going to grab Jeff Ireland to be his GM and all this other stuff. Just I'm ready to get all that over with, you know? I don't know. Now, did, did he not say that – on the air this weekend, that there's a 70% chance that he's not coaching this next season? Is that what he said? Gasper. Oh, I, I, I didn't hear that. I'm pretty sure I read I heard... that they asked him, and he said there was a 70% chance he's going to be doing TV again next year. Whatever that means. But that would be, uh, yeah, way to kick us out. You know, kick us while we're down. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you leave, and then, you know, they had to know that they were going to get some kind of competition or think they were getting some kind of competition for him. Even Mickey Loomis brought it up in the preseason game that uh, they had a plan to get, a, a, you know, some pick traffics back. Yeah. Which was him leaving. And if he does that, bro, that's just like kicking us while we're down or something. I don't know. Anyways. All right, Kevin. Well, Take care. It. Thanks for the call. All right. We got more on the line, but we're overdue. So let's take a timeout. We'll come back, uh, get back to some more phone calls. On the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Here on Footnotes, you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear, but you will hear what you need. And, of course, I got all these, oh, you're an idiot. You know, what kind of safe fan are you? Look, I'm not telling you what I want to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen, what more than likely is going to happen. Back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to with footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros want to remind you if you would like to join all the fun here at Delta Media and you're looking for a career change with any type of sales experience from retail to telemarketing to anything in between, then Delta Media wants to hear from you. Email your resume to sales director Johnette Cochran. That's J-C-O-C-H-R-A-N, J Cochran at deltamediacorp.com or give her a call at 337-896-1600-896-1600. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kev, good morning. Good morning. So at the office I used to work at, I used to sell Girl Scout cookies for my daughter. Does that, does that count as sales experience? I, I think it does, yes, sir. I don't know. They pretty much sold themselves. I got to tell you, you know. What was your um, favorite one? Well, I, I mean, I, I'm a. It's to me, it's hard to beat a, a cold thin men. I, I like them chilled, you know. But I also like um, the. Uh, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. Tree falls or whatever. Tre, uh, the, 
the coconut with the chocolate and all that on it. But exactly. That That's it. my top two as well. We have the same top two, yes. Oh, yeah. I Good mean, taste. I, you know, it's now, you know, in recent years, boxes have, <laughs> have shrunk and the price has gone up a little bit. Yeah. But, man, that was uh, that was some fun days, man. But, um, no, Kev, look, I, I, so here's what's puzzling me about, about this. And when you mentioned about Sean Payton's what's important to him, uh, and it's not so much quarterback as management and, and, and a general manager he can trust, well, he had that here. Exactly. I mean, he had he had the keys to the Cadillac. You know, uh, every draft pick, every free agent had Sean Payton's footprint on it. So if that's what's important to him, why wouldn't he have stayed or why wouldn't he come back here? Well, I, again, I think it goes back to this stupid Stalin thing that he, he had in his mind for years that, you you know, you, you they, they stop listening to you and you got to move on. You can't stay someplace too long. And, and look, I can't stand Stalin. And most of what he says drives me bonkers. But there's some truth to that. There, you know, the Mike Tomlins of the world are the exceptions. They aren't the rule. But but still, yeah, but I, yeah I, I don't think he – now, he would know more than us, but I don't think he had gotten to that point because this is – once they get off, a, you know, a, a couple older players, they've got a lot of new players on this team. I, I don't think they've turned him off. I, I just – I can't stand Stalin. I just – I don't I, – I can't imagine that they ever, you know, nixed anything he wanted to do or, or overruled him on any draft pick or uh, – you know, look, maybe he's maybe he was frustrated with the cap situation. I, I I can understand that to a certain degree. He doesn't do the contract. And and you know, I've never been a big fan of Mickey Loomis' style of, of management when it comes to, to backloading contracts and having to eat all that dead money later on. But other than that, I mean, like I said, he you know, he had full full control here. Now, you know, I know he it was obvious to him once Drew, you know, walked away that it, it was going to take a little bit of an effort to find that replacement. But, but yeah, look, he, he, I mean, he managed to win games with Teddy Bridgewater. He managed to win games with Jameis Winston. He, he to me, he, you know, he was utilizing, uh, I don't know. I, I just, I, I'd love to see him have fun with Chris Olave, with Rashid Shaheed, you know. Uh, I mean, I, I just think that he had the perfect situation here, and I, I look. I, I don't want him to sit out. I want the draft pick. I, Arizona would be lovely, you know. I mean, you're looking at what number three overall, I believe, um, or five, whatever it is. That's a juicy. That's juicy compensation there. Denver, not so much. You're looking at San Francisco's pick, which is going to be, you know, in the twenties or, or high twenties or, or, or whatever, you know. Um, but again. But I, I but again, Ralph, like I said yesterday, the vast majority of the best picks the Saints have made in the last 10 years have been lower than 27 or 28 or 29. Yeah, I get it. But you know what? If you had that number three, then you can, you can, you can finally work that into draft capital rather than giving up stuff every year. Because we also, I think next year, gave up. Don't we, didn't we give up the number two next year also to, uh, in the last year's trade? So there's still some whole, you know, some some picks to fill. So yeah, if you got the number three, you could trade down and pick up a plethora of picks, and that's where the successful teams have. That's what they've done. That's how they.
not fool ourselves. We, we're, we're not that far away, but we also we got some interior line. we got to shore up for sure. And I'm going to be honest with you, Kevin, I'm a little worried now that, that Penning has two bad feet. I mean, you know, the, the, the Liz Frank injury was on the other foot besides the one he injured in preseason. And you got Ruiz coming off of foot surgery. So, and Ramchek with a bum knee. So, offensive line is, is not, you know, it has to probably have some depth addressed as well, you know. So, not to mention we need a power running back big time. Oh, um, yes. But, I know. But anyway. But I just, but, I just but if he doesn't go to the Cardinals, I mean, I guess it's possible to go to the Broncos if they throw a lot of money at him, which supposedly they're willing to do. But if he doesn't go to one of those two, I don't know where he's going to go. No, I don't, I don't either. You know, and I read a report this morning that the Cardinals really liked Vance Joseph in, in-house, but I was like, man, somebody posted a stat of the last, um, I think, 31 defensive coordinators promoted um, in the NFL. Only six have had a winning record. I mean, you know, and Dennis Allen's not one of them. Um, so it, it rarely works out to, to, to do it that way. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know, Kev. I mean, I – I know in his heart of hearts, he was hoping that, uh, that San Diego would, uh, you know, would, would falter down the stretch, but that didn't happen because that, that's obviously his, uh, his dream destination. And, and maybe he's willing to, to, you know, risk it another year, sit out, and, and wait for that, that job to open if it does, you know. But, but I don't um, think it's going to. They got a lot of talent. They basically oh yeah. have Sean Payton 20 years ago as their head coach. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It, 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 but, you know, and, and it is, you know, like you said, I mean, look, Houston, that would be a disaster if you just go to that that franchise. I mean, that's that's just a, uh, that's a dumpster fire right there. So, uh, so I get it, you know, um, unless um, Miami makes a move, you know, and, 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 and gets rid of McDaniel, I, I, could, I could definitely see him landing there. But, well, and I would, I getting rid of McDaniel, I think, would be stupid. Oh, I do, too. I totally agree. And if, if they do that, the Saints should be on the phone immediately and, and say, look, Dennis, uh, you know, we're sorry we told you we would keep you, but we, <laughs> we're going to renege on that promise. And uh, uh, I'd I, I take him in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat. Yes. All right, Kev. Thanks for Kev, the call. Have a good day, buddy. You, too. All right, man. No, again, I, I think it's possible but unless another job opening comes up here real soon, which is possible, I mean, you know, it could be. Um, I just don't love the options. Just just not in love with the options here on um, for Casper. Now, again, uh, the Broncos, they do have a new ownership group. They do have a lot of money. They do want to make a statement. So is it possible they'll give him, make him the highest paid, an offer to make him the highest paid coach in NFL history? I think that's very possible. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. Would he say no to that? Um, does he want to coach in Denver in terms of the freezing? He seems like a guy who likes to, you know, he wants the San Diego's, Arizona's, Miami kind of climate. Seem like that's what he wants. So would he do that? I don't know. Um, you know, really, what does he think of Russell Wilson? 
I don't know. You know, maybe maybe the Cardinals will say, look, we're in a transition-wise uh, at, at, at general manager, and they, uh, they'd have to give him an awful lot of say. Um, he probably, from an X and O standpoint, would enjoy having a mobile quarterback. Now, I'm not talking about Kyler Murray's kind of mental makeup or his leadership skills seem a little lacking to me. Not not exactly what he's what what, what Casper's used to. But remember, he was he was high. I mean, obviously he loved coaching Drew, but he was high on Batman. And Batman's a different kind of runner, but he's still a runner. And so he seems somewhat fascinated with the concept of having a running quarterback. So maybe he wouldn't be quite as anti-Kyler Murray as I think a lot of us think that he should be and we would be in that situation from everything that we've gotten from him. And Bidwell yesterday at his press conference kind of insinuated that he would listen or pass his thought process the selection process by Kyler Murray, which I think most people around the league roll their, would roll their eyes to when they heard that or rolled their eyes when they heard that. So um, that is a that is a franchise kind of in a mess right now, it seems. And they've never been, really been highly respected in my lifetime of having this real stable organization. I don't know if they've ever had one where people looked at them as having – this real stable organization. Now, a couple of years ago, they won some games. It's not like they've never won with Cliff Kingsbury. Speaking of Cliff Kingsbury, the que- I've, I've seen someone bring it up, and it's been asked of me as a Saints fan or just as someone who discusses the Saints, if you're not a fan just because it's in the area, what what would be your first reaction if someone said, should the Saints hire Cliff Kingsbury? <clears throat> Who actually played for the Saints in a he didn't win a job, but he was like in camp one year for the Saints as a quarterback. Um would you hire him as an offensive coordinator? He is more new school than Pete Carmichael is. Most of us don't like his trend of his teams every year fading in the second half, but he would probably utilize people differently than Pete Carmichael does. So I certainly wouldn't be categorically against it, but I think my answer would be no. And there's also some rumors early on that he's going to go to the Rams or the Cheaters. So we'll see how that plays out. Stay on the Flake Coast, <clears throat> which is fine with me. I don't know. A lot of uncertainty there. I don't I don't know if it's as much of a shoe-in as I think some people were thinking that Casper's going to get one of these jobs, but we'll see how it plays out. All right. We'll take a timeout. I'll come back with more on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion, Houston Astros. 
Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Been talking, we talked a lot, of, you know, national championship game, college basketball, a little baseball in the first hour. It's been mostly NFL in this hour. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Oh, no, I'm sorry. No longer there. If you'd like to get back on, uh, feel free. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. Something that I meant to kind of mentioned yesterday I just again it's not so much the actual official it's just another example in my opinion of the NFL not caring about fairness and not doing the right thing what is the question that I always ask myself like to me it's the Litmus configuration tests of this issue. For those of you who've seen that movie. Um, the question is, am I okay with a Super Bowl being decided by this? Or someone going to a Super Bowl being decided by this? And my stance from the for years, going back decades, is you have to have a way to fix it. Mistakes are going to happen. You have to have a mechanism to fix it. And if not, you're a cheater because you condone cheating. And you've heard, if you've been listening to me, I've said this for years. It doesn't matter. It's not bitterness. It's, a, it's I don't like cheating. In my opinion, the Dolphins made the playoffs by by an awful call that's cheating. They got the Jets got cheated. That was not a horse collar. I mean, he he had him by the right hand and the left hand. He did not grab his collar. There was no collar. I understand he was near the game. When I saw it live, I'm like, that's not a horse collar. And then when they showed the replay, it was less of a horse collar than I thought. Now again, I understand the creative accounting. They can justify just about anything that happens. But that had not, that had nothing to do with the original horse collar. Nothing. It wasn't even close. He didn't yank him. He grabbed him, and he was tackling him with his right arm by his waist. He just had his hand on his back. He didn't yank him backwards by, by the collar or anything close to that. That was a terrible call. And again, even... I know that my original premise is to um, is that they need to fix it. They the whole creative accounting process and justifying anything is not going to solve all the problems. But man, that is awful. Uh, you know, if a Super Bowl was decided on that play, that would be awful because that wasn't. A horse collar tackle had nothing to do with, what was it, Des Bryant getting hurt by a true horse collar tackle. 
That wasn't even close to a true horse collar tie. And they decided that football game on that play. That's what they decided. On that play, they decided the football game. And now that's awful. Awful. And I've heard some people justify it was really a good call. I ain't buying that. That's awful. That's awful. They, th- there's no way when they sat in that room the first time they made that rule, when, when uh, I believe it was Des Bryant, it was a Cowboy receiver got injured on a, on a true horse talk, collar tackle that guys went to the Hall of Fame doing. That is not what they were talking about. I don't buy it. That is a, That was a terrible call. You cannot decide a Super Bowl on that play. Awful. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, sir. Yeah, I have a trivia question for you. Okay. Out of all the um, starting quarterbacks in the AFC playoffs, who do you think is the oldest? Who do I think is the oldest? All right, let me think about um, – this sounds interesting here. Let's see. Of all the starting quarterbacks in the AFC playoffs, um, I got to wrap my mind around who's in the playoffs. All young. We got Josh Allen. We've got um, – Obviously, Mahomes, we've got, well, is Lamar even playing? Um, Let's see here. Um, Is it Mahomes? Yeah, it's Mahomes. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? (laughs) No, and and again, I I thought about that. It's a great point you make because – you know, I, I've we've argued over. The, I've heard a lot of discussions since the whole thing happened with with Deshaun Watson. When, when, when the year before Deshaun Watson got in all the trouble and and, and went out, I, in my mind, he was a top five quarterback. But I don't know if he still is because in the last two to three seasons, we've had a lot of people emerge to that elite quarterbacks. Um, a lot of young quarterbacks have emerged as elite quarterbacks. So I don't know even if he comes if he gets back to the level he was that he would be a top 5. I think he was a top 5 quarterback when he left. But no, that's a good point. There's a there's a lot of good young quarterbacks, no question. All right, let's go back. Great question. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Morning, foot. How's it going? Oh, you know. Struggling. We'll be struggling for a while. You know, not go, having a losing season and and not making the playoffs. And, and that reality hit me a long time. You know, the, the 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 minute that Mark Ingram, you know, did his stupid stuff in Tampa, the reality hit me then. And, and, and so I was willing, but I'd be so I'd be so much better with it had they won that game like they were supposed to and go into it. It would just make it so much easier to deal with. We were supposed to win that game, but oh, that was awful. You know what's gonna make you feel better, foot? All of us when we get the report that Ingram is gone, Lutz is gone. When we know that these people, the problems is gone, is off the team. That's when we gonna feel a little better, you know. A little, well, a little Ingram is gone. I, I mean, I don't doubt that, but I don't know that Lutz is gonna be gone because the problem with it is who oh, are you gonna get? 
Oh, he I, oh no, he's got to go. I'm with you. I'm I'm done with him. But they're he not going to ask you and me. I, I have, remember I had said, yeah, when he got hurt, I said, it reminded me of Hartley. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be the same. For some reason, when some kickers just get hurt, they're never the same again. And it's like, that's it. Now, all it takes is one injury of them. That's it. They're done. Awful. Foot. On the show, Pink, they, this sort of, all right, last week, it was reported by Shannon Sharp. You know, he's you know, he's very tight with the uh, Broncos, of course, and his new ownership, of course, and he's talking about how they want to win and so on and changes they're gonna they're gonna make. Well, one of the things that he had mentioned was the coach that is gonna they're gonna hire is gonna have to report everything to the GM and to them. So they won't control over there. So I don't see Sean Payton handling that situation. I, I don't, wanna, I don't, again, for the, they're going to have to give him some pretty good assurances for him to go there. I, I really don't see him there. I really don't. I, I, I think there's don't. too I, much unproven. Because I know he liked Russell Wilson. He wanted Russell Wilson the same. But after they said how they coach got to be a puppet, pretty much like how Jerry does, Sean Payton don't go for that. I don't see him going to Arizona because Kyler Murray is a disrespectful quarterback. Now, he comes from the guy Parcells. Parcells don't play that. It's about obedience and discipline. You see how he was cursing, how he talked to disrespectful to his coach? So, Peyton don't play that. So, I don't see him being able to handle that over there. So, on, on some of the question you asked when you said, did he say 70%? When he was with um, Terry Bradshaw and Michael Strahan on Sunday, they was asking him. He said, it's about the ownership and the front office, what he's looking for. Now he they asked well about him being on the as being an analyst again. He said they asked from one to ten. He said it's a seven percent that he'll be um doing what he's doing again next year. I just think he's trying to control the narrative because he pretty much have like I said this NFL shook and on locker right now. What is he going to do? That's what everybody wants to know. What are he gonna do? Because they you know it's like hey this dude coming from my job, so. I think he's just trying to raise the bar, kind of get a little bid, a little auction to see what he can get, what he's going to get. What I think he after certain teams like Chargers or whoever to be like, hey, look, you will give me what I want or I'm going to sit down again. So I think, you know, it's kind of like you say, he's a catalog guy. You know, he, he played with this. He knows where he want to go. He played with this whole thing and having the NFL all wired, wired up in the fans. He even got some of us Saints fans wired up. He might come back. He might not. He played the whole game. He know where he want to go. That's why I'm taking a break from him. I'm going to feel relief when he just say what, what's going on with him. Everybody going to be relieved once he just opened his mouth and pick, pick, pick and choose. That's, all, that's it. That's all I want to know. Then we're going to feel better for it, definitely. Oh. So don't worry about it. We're not in the playoffs. We have off season just like them. Get ready for baseball. That's all we can do for it. All righty. Hang in there. All right. Have a good one. You too. All right. Oh, no, I'm still angry. I'm just so angry. Giving two games to the stupid Arnold. Just giving it to him. Just stupid. I mean, there's losing and then there's just stupidity. Still dealing with the stupidity. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back, finish out today's show on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. 
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you, if you got a new uh, Amazon Alexa or Google Home for Christmas, then add radio to your list of things that make your life easier with those devices. Just ask your Alexa or the Google Home to play the game. Southwest Louisiana is that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles with you home office wherever you go. Yes, the uh, the offseason continues. I, look, everything Paul said makes sense. I need to just calm down. And just, just telling you I'm not over it yet. And, again, had they won, I'd have been fine. I, I mean, I wanted to make the playoffs. I want to have a winning season. I want to do that every year. And I'm sick and tired of all the stupidity and injuries and just all of that stuff. But at least if they won the game and not given another game away, just giving it away, it would have just been so much better to go into the offseason. To do it that way, just bitterness, just anger and bitterness. And then at some point, that's going to wane a little bit, and then I'll be able to relax a little bit as a fan, and then have a hammock season, which is going to be just tremendous for the Astros. Um, and then, you know, there'll be bits of angst here and there depending on what decisions. You know, I had some angst last year when the Saints announced that they signed Andy Dalton. Oh, if they announce him as the starting quarterback, Next year. Lots of angst. It's a great word, by the way. Angst. There's some words that I do not like. And there are other words that I really, really like. And angst is one of them. <sighs> Hopefully, it gets better. We'll, we'll be talking a little bit more NFL as the week goes. It's only Tuesday. So, as we get a little closer to the weekend, we'll, we'll do more previewing of the playoff games coming up. And one of them that I'm anxious to get as the week goes on, y'all opinions on, is the the uh, the Yucks and the Cowboys because I've heard a vast difference of opinion. There are a lot of people that think the Cowboys are just going to crush the Yucks, and then there are other people that think the Cowboys are just a disaster waiting to happen, which kind of it's been that way for most of the last 25 years. So um, very interesting matchup. Appreciate Coach Marlin coming on and the phone calls. Y'all have a nice day.